0: You're listening to Inside Real Estate, your source for all things mortgage and real estate related. The show that brings you all the hottest topics and insights directly
1: from those who know it most. Now sit back and enjoy the show.
0: Good morning. Good morning. What a great headshot Vic has. I mean, that yeah. is no, it's fantastic.
1: Heaven. It's absolute heaven. Yeah. I'm just looking Good. at it, man. Yeah. Yeah, we're here on Inside Real Estate. Uh, I'm here with Brad Weissgerber Paul, unfortunately, can't make it today. But you know, it seems to be that I've I've had uh, had to get my feet wet hosting the show. It's kind of awkward, but uh, <laughs> I, I do my best. So, uh, thanks for everyone tuning in here. Uh, we've got a guest on the show. I, th- I think he did it one other time too. His name's Vic uh, Simjanowski, and he's early it. real estate. And uh, excited to have him here. Up, hey man. guys, how are you doing? We're good, how are you?
2: Pretty good. Thanks good, for the good. compliment on that headshot. They do a lot of magic with Photoshop yeah. now. Oh, it looks
0: great.
1: Oh, yeah, It looks great. Hey, Brad came swinging out of the gates with that
0: comment. Was, it, was, it. Yeah. it was on my screen during the intro, and I was like, man, that is a great headshot.
1: <laughs> he's got to make up for Paul.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although Paul is kind of like a catfish with his headshot yeah paul doesn't really look
0: like it. that no. he's <laughs> not, <laughs> not anymore
1: <laughs> yeah yeah he's no. he's losing his uh youth but um <laughs> anyways uh good to have you on the show man i I know you've done it before and uh you know it's always good to have you and and you know we work a lot with uh doby and their agents so it's always good to get a perspective as far as you know uh whether it's simon or you or ross whoever right what's yeah. going on in the market and how you guys are doing and, and what your plans are. So um, for those who don't know, right, Vic, you've been in the, how long have you been in the business?
2: Uh, five years.
1: Five years? Okay. okay. Five years, Yeah. About,
2: this past April.
1: Yeah, wow. It goes by so. quick, doesn't it? Pretty quick. But, you know, in, the, in that relatively, right, when you look at how long a lot of people have been in this business, in that relatively short time, you've been able to do a lot. Right and and kind of put some things in place to build a, te- uh, a team and and get things going um, uh, at a much larger level than most people probably do in in that short of a time. So, why don't you uh, give a little background as far as you know what you did before, how you transitioned in real estate, and how that's done? Uh,
2: what I did before is I owned a manufacturing company with my dad, and uh, we were in business for uh, roughly about twenty years, and. Uh, Was about five years five six years ago he looked at me and I looked at him and I'm like I don't want to do this anymore Uh, profit (laughs) margins aren't there Um, I don't want to deal with 30 other people working with me every single day and if one of them doesn't show up to work my productivity doesn't matter what the other 20 guys did Um, I wanted to something where if I worked hard I got paid for what I did Um, didn't I didn't rely on 30 other people I relied pretty much on myself uh, so I got out of real, uh, out of manufacturing and got into real estate when I turned 40 years old so uh, it's never too late to change careers.
1: No, it's definitely not. I think, uh, what do they say like Harrison Ford was like a carpenter until he was like 45 or something like that. Right. Which is nuts, right? I mean it, it, That's crazy. I think a lot of people kind of think that they're held to what they're doing, right? And it's hard to make a move. I mean you guys like you said, you had a a pretty big operation, did you sell it? Or yeah,
2: we sold it. Uh, we sold off all of our our uh, contracts and stuff like that. Um, and then just closed everything else down, sold off all of our machiner- uh, machinery. And I took a year off and tried to focus on seeing what, what I wanted to get into. And um, I took a look at real estate because I I read a lot of books and the fastest- Did you try anything else? else? No, I just did real estate right off the gate. Um, I didn't try anything else. I just took a year off and focused on trying to find something that interests me and didn't feel like a job, something
1: that would actually feel fun and accomplish certain things and help a lot of people find houses. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's always a a good conversation that we have with people, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of people who've thought, you know, real estate's what they want to do and they don't end up making it or, or doing well or whatever. So with that being said, I think, your prior experiences also help with that. And i probably say like, you probably had a lot of organization from the manufacturing side of things, right?
2: Was it automotive or? Uh, we did a lot of aerospace and mining equipment and gas drilling equipment and coal, a b- bunch of different stuff. But to your point, you're actually 100% right. I had a focus. Um, I used to get up six o'clock to get to work by 6.30 stay there till nine ten o'clock at night, till everything is done. And I brought that same mentality into real estate. Uh, I think the problem most young realtors have is they think they're self-employed. They could work as many hours as they want. They don't treat it as a job. At, they treat it mostly as a hobby, where if you want to get paid the big bucks, you, you have to put in the time. Uh, your phone doesn't shut off. Your phone's attached to your ear, as my kids say. Uh, for them to get rid of me, they, they hide my phone in their toy box and Pretend they don't know where
1: Dad's phone is right. for a while. Well, yeah, putting you know hashtag entrepreneur hashtag realtor on your Instagram doesn't make you uh successful. successful. That's correct. right. I mean that doesn't work. To... No, Goddammit. I don't think so. But you know, um I think yeah, like you said, right? I mean, you got to treat this like a a job and a business, right? Yep. I mean, we are owners at Omega Lending, and it's not like you know, I think. Some people, probably some of my friends think I'm just, you know, doing whatever, right? Traveling. You do this, man. You message here. You do that. Like, I'll just set this up. But that's not the reality of it, right? Like the the reality is, yeah, like you said, 6 a.m. mornings, wake up. You have a list of things to do. You have, you know, items you have to accomplish every single day. And typically you stay until they're done, right? A lot of things can't wait, especially with deadlines and timelines, right? Every single contract or purchase agreement, is essentially a, a deadline, right? And all parties have to work together to get to to that end end goal. So, I think being organized, having the processes in place, and having that mentality of like task based uh, work, right? Like that. I I haven't seen anyone in this business who just kind of wings it. If that makes sense for long.
2: No, you right. can you can wing it for a little bit, but
1: your number one you show in the
2: end. Yeah, you can get lucky once in a while, um, but. Like you said, uh, if you're not answering your phone, same with you in the mortgage industry. If you're not answering your phone, they're going to the next person. We live in such a quick society where people want to answer right away. So you got to constantly be on your phone um, talking to people, having conversations, answering your phone, or they're moving on to the next person. Um, so like you said, just like your buddies think, hey, this all you guys do is network and go golfing and hang out with people. That's my job. That's what I do. That's how I meet people. Uh, that's the that's the fun part about this business, but nobody gets that uh, grinding part when you're putting that contract together and things are falling apart and you can't figure things out. That's when your experience comes in and uh, from past deals, that's where you can't wing it. You got to know what you're doing.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's day in and day out, you know, something that you have to really focus on and make sure, because I'm sure, you know, if you go on vacation, right, it's not just like, and that's part of our business. It's not like you can just... Hit a button and you're gone, right? Like the only way, like I'm not able to work on something is I don't have Wi-Fi or service, right? And right. if when I don't, you know, like I went to Europe once and I was like freaking out. I'm like, we got to go into this like donor kebab cafe or whatever, and I got to get like <laughs> service because this is like nightmare, right? But it, it's funny. So where were uh, where were you before Adobe?
2: I was at uh, KW and I started out at Cranbrook, which is now I believe Howard Hanna.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know a few agents from Cranbrook, which like you said, they, they moved over to, uh, to Howard Hanna, but what did, what would you attribute, you know, as, as you progress, right. Um, a lot of your success too, obviously you have your own instinctual, uh, mannerisms, right. That have been put in place from just what you've done. Right. But like, obviously, um, you couldn't do it all by yourself, right?
2: No, just being here part of uh Dobie's a different place. Um, I know you guys have been through here. Mm-hmm. Um, just having access to Simon Thomas's knowledge, uh, our, our broker here, and um, all the efforts and time and money he puts into helping us market and grow as agents, uh, he just doesn't think of us as a paycheck. Whereas um, as a number where we get our cap. He thinks of us as his clients. That's the difference. He wants doby to feel like the country club of real estate where he services us. He wants us to feel like we're at home here. Um, we're not just a brokerage. We're a family here. Everyone feels like like a family here. Um, and I, I attribute that all to Simon where it starts from the top and then it goes down through
1: all of the other agents at our office. Yeah, no, no doubt. Did he pay you to Kind of plug him from. <laughs> I don't even think he knows I'm on here. Right now. <laughs> no, I'm Maybe I'll right. ask
2: for a lower cap after. Right. Yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> Recruiting. But no, honestly, you know, he does an amazing job, I think, um, like you said, viewing, and, and you have to, right? I mean, it, it's kind of the same way at, at our company. It's like, okay, what isn't working for you? Or why isn't this working for you? Because I need to figure out how to make it happen instead of whatever. You know, you're just another... Deal quote unquote in my pipeline that you know is going to pay me or maybe won't pay me if it falls out, versus you know that relationship that like we have to build with our clients, for example, right? Like, we if you treat someone like a paycheck, they're not going to stick with you, even if you know that paycheck maybe you know worked out that you got lucky and winged it with that client. So, like you said, the numbers in the end show, and I think the numbers on Simon's end when he's looking at his profit and losses and all that. He's like, okay, like, you know, we've had very little turnover because he treats you like clients,
2: right? 100%, I tell, I tell the, the, the agents on my team, um, if your clients know that you're chasing that paycheck, they can feel it. They can feel like you're pressuring them to buy a house. Um, if They feel like you're their friend. Uh, you're showing them that you care about their family. You're not scared to tell them, hey, this house isn't for you. Uh, you're not thinking about that paycheck. You're thinking more about them. And the paycheck is a result of the way you treat your clients. Uh, you're going to get repeat business, and in, in this industry, repeat business is what makes you strive and what makes you uh, achieve higher goals. Um, you guys have the same thing. You guys are based off of referrals, right? Um, if you if you push that envelope and they know that you're pushing that mortgage just to get paid, they're not going to use you again or refer, refer you to anyone else, just like us.
1: Yep. Right. Yeah, but I think like like you said, though, the same goes for like a business owner, you know, and that's, I think what's interesting because, you know, there's a billion mortgage companies, there's a billion real estate offices. Why hang it with X, right? And I think that goes, uh, goes a long way when you can provide knowledge. I mean, everyone looks at caps, right? I feel like every agent is like, well, if I do this on my own, I'll make X. Can you do it on your own? Can you do it with a different brokerage? Right? Because there are some brokerages who have no fees, right? and uh nothing bad i guess to say about that model it's just to each their own but i think there's a lot of value uh for people who see and use that value that comes with their brokerage right like i agree
2: with you um i i don't have anything bad to say about other brokerages but um having a brokerage where uh they reinvest back into you um they take they have you as a cap, but they don't think of you as a cap. Uh, they reinvest back into you as their business partner. Uh, like people, mm-hmm. like Simon, I told you, he, he considers us his business partner. He's not scared to try different things. If they work great, if not, he'll move on. Um, he's not just stuck trying to do the yep. old business model. He's thinking outside of the box, and that's what's different about Dolby than other places I've been in, is they think outside of the box. Simon's great, like we said earlier. Um, he treats us all amazing and that whatever your cap is, if you're not learning anything and you're thinking just about your cap, uh, what I've learned from Simon, I've doubled my business and from last year to this year we did, uh, I think close to 15 million this year, I'm gonna hit close to 30. I could have done that without a broker. I couldn't have done it without someone that had that experience that has done those type of numbers. Um, not having a cap and not paying.
1: Till that's them. a monster year. That's a, monster. College. that's a monster here, you know, yeah. I mean, it, and I think to your point, right, it's like, okay, let's say you did 15 last year, right? If you went on your own and did 17 and got 100% of that, right, versus 30 and you get yeah. 70, 80, whatever it is, I mean, you got to look at things like a big picture, right? And yeah. I'd rather, yeah,
0: bigger piece of a, a smaller pie isn't really necessarily better, right? right. No, I agree. That that's a crazy good year. I mean, this whole year in real estate in general, uh, real estate and mortgages has been pretty wild. I mean, the market's been hot. Are you seeing, uh, you know, with fall coming back to school, are you seeing things start to slow down? Are you seeing price reductions? Are you starting to see longer longer uh, on market times? What What are you seeing out there?
2: Yeah, I think the last month or so, I think we've seen houses sit for a little bit longer. Um, I think it's typical where uh, people have, are going on vacations, the last rob before kids go back to school. Um, everyone's hoping their kids actually do go back to school and they're not going to be Zoom calling again. Uh, but I think that time period from uh, middle of August, uh, when everyone goes up north in Michigan, the Michigan market's different. Everyone likes to go up north uh, right before the end of, end of August into September. And I think once Labor Day comes back in, we'll see how the market's going to stay. But I... I've seen houses sit for a little bit longer. There's been price reductions. Um, I think things are starting to settle down a little bit. Um, they haven't been as crazy as they were back in May, June, July.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think, oh, like a lot of things, right? Like by the time you hear about it, it's like too late, right? By the time you right. heard about investing in Bitcoin, it was like very expensive to get <laughs> it, right? For like, right. I think like in uh, from the seller or the buyer perspective even, right? I get a lot of people who call me and they're like, hey, I heard rates are like really low. I should refi. You know, I heard they're like 275 and I tell them it's 299, which is still an amazing rate. And they're like, what? That's high. I'm like, well, when did you hear that rates were low? Today? Like, it, it, maybe they did, right? And it depends, I guess, on how they get their news. But I wonder if a lot of sellers have like... uh almost like a mindset, right? Like the market's so good, I'm gonna get top dollar. I think, you know, I'm gonna list it, you know, 20 grand over the house that sold next to me last month, right, and like like you said, right, like that's not necessarily the reality, there's a lot going on, houses are sitting on the market longer. So do you think, um, and I think this is part of being a good agent and, and able to talk to your client and level with them and say, no, no, that's, you're not gonna get that. Right, and other people will throw it on the market and then you see price reduction, price reduction, price reduction and their listing goes quote unquote stale, right? Like, do you see that or or have that when you talk to a new seller, like a almost like a seller's like inflated ego uh, mindset? (laughs) Like maybe they're not like rude about it but they might think that their house is worth a lot more than it really is right now. Well,
2: yeah, because they they take a look at all the, their number's constantly changing on Zillow and their estimate is increasing by 20,000 one day, then it drops by another the other day. Um, I just have a tough conversation with them right at the listing uh, appointment. Um, they'll give me a number. I usually walk in with a number. I already know what I think their house is worth. Um, I let them know, uh, this is we're in the process of selling your house. I'm not just here to list it, um, I wanna sell your house. Um, if you want somebody to just come here and give you a high number, list your house and it's going to sit, great, your house is on the market for 30,000 more, but like you said, you're going to walk it back down. Uh, sometimes it's all, almost better to be the second agent because at that point they listen to you. The uh, yeah. first agent just does what they want them to, but having an experienced agent, uh, he's going to let you know or she's going to let you know this, is, this number is not going to work.
1: Um, but, but Vic, I just put in 120,000 into a pool.
2: Yeah, that, that works great <laughs> for you, but the guy buying yeah. the house might want to fill it in with some dirt and it's going to cost him another 30 <laughs> to bring in topsoil to cover up your pool. Yeah. Uh, I, those conversations are tough when they tell you, well, oh, I put in this granite, I put in this uh, great flooring and new cabinets. Well, maybe the person coming in is going to tear all that out, so that didn't really mean much to them. Um, yeah. You guys in mortgage, you know that. They tell you, well, oh, what do you mean my appraisal came in low? I just yeah. put in brand new countertops. That that should break my appraisal yeah.
1: by forty grand. I I think people a lot of the time, right, unfortunately, don't understand how an appraisal works, right, right, it's right. like, Very unfortunate. Yeah, nobody knows how an appraisal works well, unless dude, I just in the industry. I just spent you know <laughs> sixty grand on my basement. I got all these badass TVs and whatnot down there. It's like, well, that's sweet. I'd love to come and hang out down there, but like it's five thousand dollars or so on your appraisal right and it's zero if the other basement's finished right like right. appraisers and unfortunately and fortunately right um appraisals aren't always fair right they right. don't necessarily uh indicate the intrinsic value of a home to someone right like yeah comps say it's worth 480 but man my family and i love that it has this and it has that and it has a gold toilet We like the gold toilet we could buy it and sell it right but right That doesn't really matter to the lender they don't care like you said someone come in there they can remove it they can update it like they're really financing like bones and land and essentially like is it up to the current market standard as far as updates go or is it outdated right is there any superior build quality over maybe this other house typically not especially in in this market right you've got new construction homes and you've got already existing homes and all new construction homes are condition one right you know, the quality might be different sometimes you have like luxury builders and whatnot that really do build a, a nicer home with nicer materials but overall it's a difficult conversation when I talk to a client who's like yeah I bought this home last year I redid all the landscaping I did the basement and we threw in a hot tub I think that my home is worth like 50 grand more I'm like no no unfortunately <laughs> no. not man like it's not you
0: just you basically I mean, just, in, you in know, this market it might be just because yeah
1: i mean your home might be worth a little more but like it's not worth more because of those items so right if you were talking to a seller and they needed to update some things right or um we're focusing on on certain areas to improve or whatever it is before they list their home what would you recommend that they do right hey vic i, I want to i bought my house for you know one sixty, you know. Right now, it's probably worth two hundred. I want to sell it for two fifty. I've got a fifteen grand budget. Where would you spend that fifteen?
2: Most houses sell bathrooms and kitchen sell houses. Uh, first thing you notice when you walk into a house is the kitchen, uh, and then my if it was my wife, she goes into the master bathroom, takes a look at that, and uh, she needs to have a master closet. Six. Yeah, that, yeah. Those, those those two things are huge. Um, they they make a huge difference. The the kitchen is is one of the biggest things. Uh, when somebody walks in and there's a beautiful kitchen, um, that house sticks out a lot more than something that's been outdated. Um, and I if people are on a limited budget of what they can spend, I usually tell them why don't you give the, the buyer a credit? Say hey we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna do the kitchen. Uh, we didn't know what you were gonna like, so how about we give you a fifteen thousand dollar credit? For you to use in your kitchen, and you get to pick out the granite, the countertops, the appliances, and make it your own. Um, just different ways to stand out from the competition. Because sometimes people will go in and do a kitchen, and the people that I look at it, they're like, "That's not my style." Um, they're still right. building. It. They're still building that kitchen as they're going to still live there. They're not doing it based on what the new trends are.
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting, and kind of to your point earlier, right? Like, I just did this. I put in this granite or whatever. Right. It's like it if you are really going to invest money into a home right like i almost feel like you should invest it like you're going to live it in a long time because if you're just doing it to flip it you might as well just put in the cheapest stuff yeah someone might not like it you know and it, that sounds kind of bad but it's like yeah appraisers gonna look at it, yeah it's updated they don't care if the granite is real or not apparently right so like at least when you're you're reselling it as long as it's not done you know, in a bad unsafe way but you know like there's a lot of things i think that uh sellers have to consider when people are looking at their home and that you know hey everyone doesn't really love your amazing office that you know has this crazy red paint that like makes you write warm and, and you know, <laughs> comfortable when you're in there typing away on your keyboard like someone's gonna come in there and like maybe even blow the walls down so like <laughs> You have to think, um, what would most people want, and that's something I feel like I learned uh, the tough way when talking to clients about, you know, refinances and things of that sort. And after talking to or looking at appraisals and talking to my appraiser from, dude, they they got a pool. It's the only pool in the neighborhood. Like, why is it not like a thirty thousand dollar adjustment? Because most people don't want a pool, you know, or right. most it's not standard to the area, or well. Yeah, I do. Well, my basement's finished. I got this. I got that. Yeah. So there's every single other comp. So there's no real adjustments. Your, your your comp or your house isn't necessarily superior to someone's out someone else's if it's the expected thing in the market, right? So uh, what would you say, because I find this interesting too, like when someone wants to list their house and it's the nicest in the neighborhood.
2: I'd like being the, not the nicest in the neighborhood, because the guy that's nicest in the neighborhood, he's gonna set the the pace for everyone else. But um, being the nicest in the neighborhood isn't always the nicest uh, time to sell your house, because um, if everything else in, your, in, the, in that subdivision is $50,000 to $60,000 less, and you're at the top end of it, you're, you're probably gonna lose a lot of money on your house being the nicest house in that sub. Like, you know, the comps come in, they're not based off of you being the nicest house, they're based off of what everything else is selling for in the sub. Um, if you chose to spend a $50,000 on a Wolf stove, that's your choice. Uh, the it <laughs> 's not spending $50,000 for a stove, and if you're expecting the return on that, it's not going to happen. Um, that's something you chose because you wanted it. Um, that's not the standard of what's going to
1: happen because you have the highest price house in the neighborhood. Yeah, so often when that happens, right, that's always a difficult conversation. How do you vet out, like, a lot of – agents I talk to when we're in a situation like that where it's like, Hey, we're offering 600 on this home, comp support 450, you know, um, because it does have the wolf. It's got everything. People are, there's multiple bids all of, well above and beyond, you know, 550, 600, whatever. How on your end, right? Like as a listing agent, cause a lot of them will just be like, well, we'll figure it out when we get there. But what do you do on your end to ensure that like, Hey seller, your home isn't going to appraise right but here's why we want to go with this buyer obviously if they're cash that's easy right but i've
2: i've learned a lot since the, the the COVID stuff that happened so far where people are just throwing in bids uh waiving appraisals doing uh guarantees above and beyond what the price is and what i've learned is a lot of the time they're coming back and they don't have the funds so i have i've learned that when they say hey i'm gonna do a a guarantee over appraisal of 20 grand I asked them to show me proof of funds say I, I need to know where, where's this cash coming from I need to let my sellers know that you do have the cash if the appraisal is short that you can come up with 20 thousand because on your PA you're showing you you're putting down three percent you could barely put 20 down but you your time you're gonna spend thirty to forty thousand over appraised value if it comes in under where's that money coming from um, so I, I want to make sure that my sellers are protected. So I'm asking for proof of funds to show where that money's coming from.
1: Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I and mean, a lot of times I'm sure, you know, i I've, I've talked about this with Brad too. Like, well, I'll get a purchase agreement, right. And the person's putting down their three or 5% or whatever it is, right. First time buyer. And they wrote like a 15 K appraisal waiver. And I'm right. like, Hey man, like you had enough money to buy it. With five percent down plus closing costs but like where is this going to come from right like, how did this happen right like obviously listing agent didn't follow up right i didn't get a call from anyone asking that which would have then sparked me to call a buyer like what's the plan dude and then yeah you know at that point you're like kind of you're skating around on super thin ice right so it comes in three five ten k low what are you gonna do you can't lower your people are like can we roll it in the loan can we do this can we do no no like and i think that's one of the hardest concepts right now for a first time buyer in this market to understand is like hey man you've got excellent credit your income's good you've saved up enough money to put your down payment plus the close but you need more money like you're going to need to write an appraisal guarantee because you're up against multiple people and i haven't been seeing them as much but I'd still say you know before like uh march may june right like there was there was a lot of them yeah it was like every single deal i had hit five ten and and almost all of them got not all of them but i'd probably say at least half of them they had to bring something maybe not the full amount but like yeah yeah, they they enacted that right so now that the market's caught up a little bit with that you know like i would say like the prices aren't as uh they aren't following as uh we're increasing as rapidly as you know that appraisal gap kind of covered them, right? So now it's we're able to see a lot more appraisals come in on the dot, which is great. But uh, nonetheless, all it takes is is kind of like like Brad was saying earlier, like what happens after Labor Day? Does it get crazy again? Are people going to be doing more and more appraisal guarantees? Like what's happening with COVID? What's up with Delta? And what's the new one, Lamb Lambarian or something like that? Lambada? <laughs> Do you see that? another one?
2: Yeah, I didn't know about that one. I knew about
0: Delta. Yeah, I knew
1: about the other one. Google it. Yeah, I don't, want, like, dude. I don't no. want to do I don't It's so <laughs> yeah. depressing, dude. I'm so sick
0: of it. Like,
1: and not to beat a dead horse here, but what do you think? Um, another, and I don't, I don't think people will personally uh, lock down as hard as they have. Right? Like, people will just inevitably buck the system right at this point now knowing like hey it's not like ebola right um it is really bad i'm not trying to downplay uh necessarily what COVID can do to you right but like it's not like you get it and you're, it's like a 80 percent chance you die do you see you know if, if the numbers come out from delta again uh and we go into another lockdown what do you think the how do you think the real estate market will react to that this time around Um, I
2: I think people more or agents right now are prepared on how to handle something like that. Whereas before it happened so fast where we got shut down, now most of us are doing more videos. We're doing walkthroughs of the houses. We're prepping everything uh, where before we just had photos. Um, I think if there's another variant that comes around and we get locked down again, I think the housing market's going to be the same. As long as the interest rates don't go crazy, um, I think we'll be fine. I don't think anything's going to change unless interest rates go up uh what was it last year or when january february they were somewhere around five and a half percent and people were going crazy because they thought they were going to go up to eight percent and now all of a sudden things are in the twos um my dad told me when he bought his house in 1978 there was a line of people at a model home and they were charging 18 percent interest he said that's high it's like two percent three percent seven percent that's not high it's just it just depends on, yeah. on what what's available. That's the inventories, is the, the difficult part. Um, getting nice houses, there's just people putting houses on the market that aren't really nice and expecting top dollars saying they renovated the kitchen. All they did is put in a new stove and a fridge.
1: Yeah, that's so. interesting. I don't know. I Obviously, I hope rates stay low, but I. Yeah, I do think it's unhealthy for them to stay this low for too long, right? Um, right. I mean, they've been low
0: for too long, If I feel yeah. like. If you think about it, like, I, I don't remember. I think I've only sold, like, one or a handful of deals since I started in this business years ago at 6% or higher. And those deals were all, like, investment properties, high-risk, like, loans. Everything that I've done in my whole career has been sub-6% mostly sub five percent right it's they've been low for a long time those are low rates that's crazy no
1: No, i mean i think it's inevitable obviously that they're going to go up at some point but yeah i think as long as other factors kind of compensate for that we'll be fine right this crazy uh inflation of, of housing prices in the past year and a half right a lot of it's due to low rates right? yep money's cheap whatever my payment goes up you know 35 40 bucks a month for every 10 grand versus 50 60 whatever right so affordability from a housing perspective is is awesome right i mean you can buy yep. uh, a lot more than you could have two years ago with you know a dip, with this low rate but there's a lot of other factors i think in the market right now that are getting to a point of like tipping, right? For example, cars, cars are nuts right now, you know, and, and they started to, I think that, that, that uh, glass of milk or whatever you want to call it is, it's about to overflow, right? I mean, there's many extra shortages of, the, of these chips that these cars have. I mean, have you driven by the palace and looked in the parking lot? Yeah, they're just sitting, have, there's nothing. Have you guys seen, seen it? it you, Dude, there's like, yeah, it's like 5,000 traverses. Like once those chips catch up, I can't imagine the price of a used traverse is going to be very well. They're going to be giving them away. Have to be giving dealer incentives and all these cars are going to now all of a sudden be crazy expensive to a ton of people who bought a car over the past two years, probably being underwater. You know, most people probably put zero down when they finance a car. So you got that, you've got now, if the market levels out and you just did this appraisal guarantee on this home, and essentially your house is worth what you paid for, or I'm sorry, what your loan balance is. And if you wanted to sell it, you've got to pay six to 8% in commissions and in fees. What do you do? Now all of a sudden, you don't have the equity, right? Like a lot of these first time buyers, I think they need to really think about how long are you going to be there? Because I have a lot of people who have bought homes in the past year or so. And they're probably thinking, yeah, it's like a one or two year thing. Well, you better start saving. You know, it's almost like getting that 1099 and you put away all your money and you're like, all right, I'm good. And then you get hit by the tax man. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, I, I wonder what's going to happen with that, with the values. I,
2: I think what's happening too is with like with the appraisal guarantees, all of a sudden a house that comes in that's worth 200 and somebody – Put in a $20,000 appraisal guarantee, all of a sudden the comps in that subdivision change by 20 grand. Um, then the next door neighbor is going to be like, hey, this guy got 20 grand extra. I'm going to sell my house. Um, all, all of a sudden, taxes are going to increase in those subdivisions. There's going to be like a false inflation of, of the value of these homes based on all these appraisal guarantees that people are putting in, um, changing the whole dynamic of a subdivision because it doesn't show on, on the sale of the house that there's an appraisal guarantee, it just shows what it sold for.
0: Oh, yeah and, and that's what we're kind of seeing that right now with i mean before we were seeing a lot of low appraisals compared to the the contracts right and with all these appraisal guarantees we're starting to get more and more comps with higher and higher and higher sales prices because of them so yeah. the the that's it's just accelerating the and again with, the if the money's model. cheap to borrow on it okay yeah
1: so your payment goes up 80 bucks we're good with that right right but what happens when hey you know that 20 grand is now, you know, 120 more dollars, right? Another yeah. 40 bucks, another 50% increase in monthly uh, spend in the difference. It's like it it's a slippery slope, I feel like, of uh, not people being underwater and foreclosures or anything like that. But like, hey, we got to sit and hold, you know, we don't have the money to essentially pay to get out of this. You know a lot of people that we, that we do loans for. are Not saying that you know we're doing some like subprime cowboy shit, but like <laughs> I'm like, hey bro, you need twenty one thousand two hundred dollars to close. You have twenty thousand eight hundred, and you got like five hundred bucks sitting somewhere that you could throw into your account because we we need that to close. And they're like, yeah man, they do that, and then it's like you know they close, but man, they have like no reserves. Most people yeah. live on no is- reserves, so they live
0: like a paycheck. Yeah, it's pretty scary. I get you guys. You it's know, super scary. Happens. How do you? It's super <laughs> scary. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like being able to buy a house and literally draining your entire bank account, every dollar you have. Like, how are you gonna move? What are you gonna do for paint? What are you like? What are you gonna do? You need to like fill the house with groceries, right? Like, there's so many other costs. dollar. Well, the reality is, they do. They figure
1: I know it's out, so right? crazy. It's I see it all the time.
0: You
2: have
1: one yeah. one big ticket item go
2: south yeah. in your house, like a AC or a furnace, and all of a sudden they have no money to finance it or buy it, or they they don't know what to do because they're so cash strapped to like the limit. Um, I I see a lot of yeah. people going, "Hey, I'm pre-approved up to eight hundred thousand. Well, why don't you just buy something around six? Uh, put that extra money in your pocket. Maybe the next house will be eight hundred, but doesn't mean because you're approved to eight hundred, you should buy eight dollars
0: and the fucked up about thing about that is underwriters will see that and they'll they'll question it. They'll be like, "Why is this person buying a house so far below their their means?" Like, because they're responsible. Like, what are you What do you what are you suspicious of here? He
1: had like a seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had like a seven DTI, like seven percent, and yeah, he bought like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house in Royal Oak, first time buyer, single guy. He's like, "No, dude." Like he was pissed that I asked him that. You know. It's like, I'm just not a dumbass. And like, I could put that in a letter. I don't know if the operator will accept it, but like, yeah, you're, you're definitely right. You know, I mean, like you, you aren't. So that's why you have 800 credit and tons of reserves. That's how, you know, a lot of people should, but I understand a lot of people can't, right? There's a lot of people who are renting right now, overpaying essentially for a smaller place and for a little more money than their security deposit, plus closing costs, whatever, right? They can get into a home. That doesn't necessarily mean that much changes paycheck to paycheck they've just upgraded their living situation right so it is a slippery right. slope when people have to move as long as people can make that payment it's great but you look at a 30-year mortgage i mean dude it's so crazy i thought like man i had to have paid down like 30 40 grand in my mortgage right i thought and then i looked yeah. and over three years it was like ten thousand dollars you know i'm like right. oh uh okay cool like wouldn't even cover like you know one one realtor commission so it's like it's just it's kind of sickening when you look at how much interest you pay i think people really have to think about that you know i have a lot of people right now who were in higher rate mortgages paying a higher payment than they are now because they refi twice they're making more money because you know inevitably or whatever being at their job they made raises and i call them and i'm like hey man if you do a 15 year your payment's like 50 more dollars than what your original payment is yes, it's 300 more than what your payment is now, but like you were paying it then when you made less money, you do this, you'll save like 40, 50 grand in interest. Nah, I'm good, man, I like a cheap payment. Okay, but you aren't paying that asset down. I think that is to a degree the saving grace right now with if values become stagnant, your ability to um, pay down equity is a lot higher, right? You're in a much better position to pay down equity than you were like you said 2019 or whatever when the rates are five and a half because you know way more is going towards principal. so it's uh it's an interesting time in our business and i'm curious to see what happens i mean 2021 right um was kind of i think everyone thought it was going to be the amazing year right and so far it's just a long 2020 for from, yeah. from the way i see it <laughs> i mean at least you know it's a little different, but you know,
0: it's interesting to see. So it's crazy. Know. We're almost done with I know the year we've... too, man. It's like almost halfway. Th- you know, it's over halfway through August. We're almost into September, and there's like no real sign. There's like no real like light at the end. It just keeps getting worse. It's yeah. so fucked up.
1: Yeah, but we adapt. We figure it out, right? Here we are. We've sold a lot of real estate. We've done a lot of mortgages. Things are going well for a lot of people True. too, right? New jobs, new opportunities we'll get through it. So, you know, I think uh, we could probably beat the hell out of the dead horse that is COVID, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of conversation, but either way, we we definitely uh, appreciate all the uh, perspective that you bring because you're out there on the streets talking to people doing these things, right? We're. I feel like I'm kind of now just like, okay, that's like crazy you're doing that, but here are your numbers, right? Like you're probably having a lot more of the conversations that come day to day with that, so. We, uh, we appreciate that insight, but uh, looking at the clock, it's about time to uh, wrap things up. And as you know, from your last visit, we like to answer or ask three questions, right? right. So um, I don't remember what we asked you last time, but Brad, do you have
0: anything in particular? Um, I going to and- start with tried and true. Uh, what, what scares Vic? Uh, what
2: scares me is not being able to provide for my kids. Uh, that's what makes me get up every single day, every single morning uh, just to leave a legacy for my kids uh, so that they don't have to worry about if they wake up tomorrow morning and there's another pandemic, how are they going to make ends meet? I want to leave something for them uh, where where they're a little bit further ahead than my father left for me.
1: Uh, he did a great job for me, and I want to do the same thing for them. Can't beat that. That's a good answer. Um, if you could go back to any moment in time, right? Um like a specific moment and be like a fly on the wall, what would you say that moment would be?
2: So to Be a fly on the wall. I'd probably try and, when all of this COVID stuff happened, uh, probably try and have a bunch of inventory of all of these, of the PP, uh, all that protective stuff that we needed, the hand sanitizer, the gloves, and be able to actually have that in storage to be able to actually sell it. Because I never thought of all that stuff beforehand i thought hey what do i need all of this stuff for but to be able to be a fly on the wall and know that all this was coming and be able to prepare and uh i know a lot of people were made millionaires from covid based off of all yeah of selling gloves and stuff yeah <laughs> I mean, crazy Ed, gloves and hands face masks
1: wipes like wipes and masks and when i would see someone in the airport wearing a mask i was like ew like what, yeah. what's wrong with this person you know right like like what do they have that they're like wearing a mask for now it's like it's funny right everyone you got people in in the airport with masks face shields goggles it's like would have been nice to know that right you Investing got it face <laughs> it's like you're going into a mess <laughs> like walking through the airport <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right uh third question um if uh you had to eat one specific meal you could eat other meals but you have to eat at least this one meal every day at least once a day for the rest of your life what would it be
2: Uh hamburger and fries
1: that wouldn't be bad hamburger not even a
2: yeah.
0: cheeseburger
2: no got cheeseburger hamburger cheeseburger bacon yeah. on there a bunch of stuff <laughs> on it every <laughs> day <laughs> i like a hamburger because you can always change the toppings and make it something different it's,
1: it's like true. A new meal. It's very true <laughs> like a sandwich but like, like a sandwich but better. Yeah. But better. Yeah, it is better. <laughs> yeah. we, we do love our cheeseburgers. We Me and Brad do. have a list, a shared list via iPhone notes. <laughs> we That's do. The, True places, story. There's like 80 places that we've pegged in the area that we're going to like every time we go there. Restaurants. Yeah. Restaurants we need top. to
0: eat.
2: What's your top notch cheeseburger hamburger place right now?
1: Ooh, it was Ackett's. I loved Ackett's on uh, what is that? Romeo Plank and. Paul Road? Have you ever been there? No, I haven't. I know oh. the area. Um, it was having. Unfortunately, it, COVID yeah. took him. But they shut him down. Yeah, I don't know. What would you say, Brad? I mean, we like we like our standard, you know, five guys and whatnot. But like, yeah. I don't know. That that any really
0: burger place really stands out right now. Because
1: what do you? Well, coming from the burger guy himself, what do you, What would you say, Vic?
2: <laughs> um, I like uh, Lux has a good burger in Birmingham. Yeah. This is true. Um, is a great. lot of people don't know that Hyde Park has a really good hamburger. Really? Uh,
1: you it's don't a think burger. A, look, Hyde Park pull too. up the notes, Fred. Pull you know, up the take notes.
2: Take a look. <laughs> we sat at the bar uh, once, and the guy said, uh, you got to have to try this hamburger. And look, like, we're at Hyde Park. Why would we try a hamburger?
1: Right. So
2: we tried the hamburger. He wasn't lying. It was pretty good.
1: Now when you go there for you know a full-on nice dinner with your wife or something, you're kind of like, hey, I'll get that. I'll get the hamburger. Maybe,
2: maybe get the hamburger as an appetite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Split it like, like in a couple of pieces.
1: Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I think, uh, you know, it was great to have you on the show. Um, always love discussing, you know, what, what we think is going to happen to the market and what you're seeing with all different agents. And it's really good to get your perspective. Um, we appreciate you coming on the show again and would love to have you again in the future.
2: I appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun. For sure. Passed by pretty yeah. quick. How do people get a hold of you, Vic.
1: Vic?
2: Yeah. Uh you can get a hold of me. Cell phone is two four eight two two nine nine one three seven. Uh or you can get a hold of me via email at Vic at dot com. Perfect.
1: Well, we appreciate it, man. We'll be coming by soon with like a sack of Comet Burgers or something like that. <laughs> Sounds and- great. Smash <laughs> Sure, few. But um, either way, um, if you guys want to uh, get old, of Vic, feel free to reach out to him. He's a great uh, resource and agent in the area. And uh, pleasure having you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds
2: great. Thanks for having me again. appreciate yeah. it.
1: Yeah. See ya. Well, another show on the books, Brad. No. Um, my hosting abilities are improving, I feel, but um, we need Paul. Yeah, Paul.
0: Paul, we Paul need, definitely. Uh, Paul, we need you. He just he loves to hear himself talk, so it's just very uh, really yeah. natural for him to just keep going and yeah. spew nonsense. So
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he definitely does something to, for the show. Keep, keep going, yeah, for sure. Well, um, I know we're both busy. We'll get back to it. We appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, get... Find us where you find your podcast, wherever it is, right? Podcast, Stitcher, YouTube, whatever. And uh, we'll go from there. Everyone have a good day. See ya. Later.
0: You've been listening to Inside Real Estate, the nation's top real estate podcast. Don't forget
1: to follow us at IREpodcast.com and everywhere where podcasts are
0: available.